0: Welcome to the History of Chemistry podcast. I'm Steve Cohen, your host, and this is episode 92, Infinite Loop, to discuss a bit about how plastic is recycled. Thanks to those who already support this podcast. Support the continuation of this podcast at Patreon. The website is www.patreon.com forward slash thehistoryofchemistry. We are in the 1980s in our chemical history, and the 1980s is when recycling of plastics suddenly became more popular. I hope to show you in this episode why sorting plastics is necessary for recycling to be effective and something of the process of recycling different types of plastics. Since plastic was invented in the 19th and 20th centuries, and as new types of polymers continued to appear up through our current point in chemical history, when their function was complete, the plastic item was thrown away, generally into landfills. Plastic, by virtue of its properties, was designed to be tough, so that it would not break down while fulfilling its uses. Plastic also was designed to be cheap, so it was always easy to make more. Plastic items, on the whole, do not decompose into their monomers or other organic products over the short and medium term, and not a whole lot over the long term. This meant that plastic items remained in the trash and landfills. Unlike other organic materials like foodstuffs, polymers do not decompose easily. In the immediate years after World War II, leaders of the plastics industry began to promote heavily single-use packaging to make more money for the companies. Use of plastic rose throughout the 1960s and 1970s, so that by the 1980s, the majority of consumer items were made of plastic. Such plastic and single-use packages created a garbage crisis. To keep the money flowing and to divert attention away from the single-use problem, industry leaders, including PepsiCo and Coca-Cola, Invented the organization called Keep America Beautiful. One of the coinages from the American Advertising Council in 1947 to gaslight the public away from the cheap single use bottles and containers was the word litterbug, a person who tosses trash on the ground. In this way, the Keep America Beautiful organization blamed the customer rather than the factory. For the Trash Problem. From the 1950s through the 1970s, Keep America Beautiful lobbied governments away from multi-use packaging and promoted the idea that merely throwing litter into a trash can would solve the garbage problem. Perhaps their most famous advertisement, which I recall as a child, was the Crying Indian advertisement you can find the advertisement easily on the internet. It was, however, extremely racist because the actor was not a Native American. The implicit view, according to the advert, is that the alleged Native American also was a powerless but noble savage. Yet, the environmental movement begun by Rachel Carson also gave awareness to the public that filling landfills endlessly was also not sustainable. Therefore, the idea of recycling plastics, taking used polymeric items and reforming them in some way, rather than using new petroleum as feedstocks, gradually took hold. I should note also that once companies saw the popularity of the new environmental movement, they shifted their tactics and also promoted recycling. Again, it doesn't essentially solve the problem of growing amounts of single-use waste. But the idea of recycling took hold. The first mill for taking old plastics and recycling them into feedstock for making new products was built in Conshohocken, a suburb west of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in 1972 and was called Waste Techniques. Recycling in the USA became very popular by the late 1980s. The symbol familiar to most of us to indicate recycling, the three arrows curved into a triangle and folded into a Möbius strip, was invented by a senior, that is, a fourth-year university student at the University of Southern California, Gary Anderson, for the Container Corporation of America, a manufacturer of corrugated cardboard boxes. The design was part of the celebration of the first Earth Day in 1970. Originally, Anderson's design had a triangle point downward, but the company rotated it to have the triangle's base at the bottom, a more stable image from the aesthetic point of view. As to the numbering scheme from 1 to 7, The resin identification code was invented in 1988 by the United States Society of the Plastics Industry to make recycling easier, another way of implying that recycling is the final, complete answer as to how to handle single-use packages. After 2008, the organization ASTM International has administered the coding scheme. ASTM originally stood for American Society for Testing and Materials, a group that creates and promotes technical standards for materials and methods in engineering. Regardless of the sinister policies and greed, we can still examine the methods of recycling polymer resins. Let's review the seven types of plastic that are sorted. Number one is polyethylene terephthalate, or PET. It's a very common polymer used for food containers and also for some textiles, that is, polyester. It is, however, porous, so difficult to clean well, but the strong chemicals used for cleaning can cause other chemicals in the plastic to leach out. Number two is high-density polyethylene. It is also very common and used for consumer packages, outdoor furniture, toys, pipes, plastic crates, jugs for milk and water. It can be reused multiple times safely. Number three is polyvinyl chloride. Again, PVC is common and used for shower curtains, which are highly flexible and waterproof, plumbing, architectural elements like door and window frames, flooring, and food wrap. It is not safe for heating foods. Number four is low-density polyethylene, or LDPE, a thermoplastic. In the food world, it's good for wrapping bread, for squeeze bottles, for trays, Shopping bags, and packing foam. Number five is polypropylene, the second most popular polymer. You will find it for yogurt containers, disposable diapers, caps on bottles, kitchenware, and disposable cutlery. Number six is polystyrene. It's cheap and lightweight and very formable into all sorts of shapes like drinking cups. Egg cartons, cases for CDs and DVDs, and building insulation. You may know it as styrofoam as well. Number 7 is the catch all bin for everything else polymer. Therefore, it includes polycarbonates, acrylic, and nylon. Items with number 7 plastics include car parts, baby bottles, electrical wiring, the insulation that is. Also, there are lids of bottles, carpets, and even the reusable bottles for water people often carry with them. So how do companies recycle these plastics? There are three general methods. The first is to dissolve the plastic in some solvent, along with the colorants for colored plastics. The second is to depolymerize, that is, disconnect the monomer molecules from each other, Via solvents and heat. The third is called conversion, which uses chemicals and heat to break up the polymer into a petroleum like goop or even a gas. Then you start over with the goop or gas to chemically synthesize new monomers on your way to plastic. We begin with number one plastic polyethylene terephthalate, PET. There are three ways to recycle PET. The first is going back to monomers, breaking up the polymer. This involves returning to terephthalic acid, or dimethyl terephthalate plus ethylene glycol. Or one can go back to an intermediate chemical, such as bis-2-hydroxyethyl terephthalate. Unfortunately, while sounding good, it's not overly cost-efficient because prices for beverage bottles vary widely over the short term, and one needs a continuous supply of used bottles. The second method is to crush and mill the plastic into pellets or flakes for reuse. This is the most common way of recycling PET, but this only goes so far because there are gradually increasing contaminants and degradation products in the used plastic feedstock. Much of the recycled PET goes into polyester fibers for textiles and plastic strapping for packing. A newer use is to take the recycled PET yarn and make carpets. Number two plastic, high-density polyethylene, or HDPE, is just long chains of CH2 units connected by single bonds. The molecular structure is not branched, so that long chains can pack together densely, hence the high-density part of the name. Like PET, HDPE is mostly mechanically recycled into small pellets, both of food-grade and non-food-grade usage. To separate PET from HDPE, we generally use near-infrared spectroscopy to decide what type of plastic the used piece is. If the plastic is colored very dark, there is nearly complete absorption of the near-IR light, and the technique fails. The HDPE is shredded into bits, melted, and formed into recycled pellets. Products often made from recycled HDPE include trash cans and, ironically, recycling bins, plumbing, rope, and toys breaking the polymer apart is chemically not feasible, so that isn't done with HDPE. Number three plastic, polyvinyl chloride. As with PET and HDPE, most polyvinyl chloride, or PVC, is mechanically chopped up. There is some chemical feedstock recycling, But recyclers have to deal with plasticizers and thermal stabilizers as contaminant chemicals, making recycling back into component chemicals more challenging. After shredding, metal bits are electrostatically pulled out and can be sorted with magnets. Steel is usually magnetic, while aluminum is not. The polymer bits are washed and sorted by density in a flotation chamber to remove polyethylene and polypropylene, which are lighter than the PVC, and other crud. Colored plastic bits are sorted out from the white bits via cameras and ultraviolet lighting. A third method is thermal treatment for recycling. Here, the recycling plant must first remove the chlorine atoms that are an integral part of the molecules. Chlorine is a bleaching agent and is toxic and chemically reactive, so the chlorine atoms are converted into hydrogen chloride, which is still nasty stuff. The best and most efficient neutralization of the chlorine byproducts from PVC is still undergoing research. Number four plastic, low-density polyethylene, or LDPE. The difference between LDPE and HDPE is how branched the polyethylene chains are in the molecules. Low density is highly branched, so that the sections of molecular chain get tangled instead of laying parallel and packing together densely. LDPE is often made into squeezable food bottles, and it has a lower melting point than other plastics. The low-density polyethylene is separated from the high-density version, and like the other plastics so far, is ground up into flakes. Then the bits of LDPE are cleaned, dried, and melted down to form into pellets or sheets. After the recycling process, LDPE is often formed into pipes, sheets, trash bags, and films. The LDPE is graded based on how pure and clean the pellets are. Premium grade is completely clear. Grade A is clear as well, with not much contamination, which might come from colorants or paper labels from the previous products, and is 95% clean. Grade B is allowed 20% of colored polymer and is 80% clear. Grade C is a mixture of 50% clear plus 50% colored, along with some high-density polyethylene and polypropylene contaminants. Number 5 Plastic Polypropylene Because of its low density, about 0.94 grams per cubic centimeter, polypropylene can be sorted by flotation in water, while other polymers such as PET, with a density around 1.44 grams per cubic centimeter, may sink. Sometimes a physical property, such as the melt flow index, a numerical value which relates to how viscous the melted polymer is, Can be used. And, as before, if the polypropylene is not dark colored, near infrared spectroscopy can help sort it from the other polymers. The polypropylene is then ground up into bits, washed, and then heat dried. Polypropylene has a higher melting point, over 400 degrees Celsius, so moderate heat is not a problem. The polymer is then melted. Extruded and chopped into granules, which are sold to manufacturers of plastic products. Polypropylene can then be remade into textiles, food containers, bins, and even speed bumps to slow cars on roads. Number 6 Plastic Polystyrene. If the polystyrene is expanded into foam peanuts, those peanuts can be reused directly but items such as eating utensils are treated differently and not all foam packing material is reused directly. Sometimes it is physically squeezed down to remove moist air and sometimes the organic chemical limonene dissolves in it. Limonene, by the way, is a hydrocarbon that is found in the oil of citrus peel. There are two isomers because a carbon in the molecule has a chiral center. One isomer is a flavor from oranges, and the other is in caraway and dill. As with the other plastics, polystyrene is sorted to remove paper bits and food particles, which are especially prevalent in this resin. And again, as with other plastics, the pieces are ground up and made into fluff. This fluff is heated up to melt it and the air inside is removed. The melted resin is then squeezed into molds that extrude strands of plastic, cooled with water, and diced up into pellets for remanufacture. Among products that are fabricated from recycled polystyrene are wood-like lumber for fence posts and outdoor benches. Finally, let's talk about number seven plastic, which covers everything else from nylon to acrylic to polycarbonate. It also includes electronic devices with plastic and even medical storage containers. Unfortunately, because this is a mixture of all sorts of different chemical compositions, it's tough to recycle, even though it has a recycling number. The resin called polylactic acid, or PLA, is very difficult to recycle too, though it is biodegradable. So, these are the major classifications of plastic as created in 1988, at our point in our chemical history, the 1980s. Let's be clear that even if a product or part has a recycling triangle and a number on it, it may not be recyclable. The converse is also true. If the object has no triangle, it still may be recyclable. This episode focused on the engineering aspects of recycling plastics, as understood in the 1980s. We have not discussed much the relative costs and benefits of recycling in a financial as well as scientific sense. We have not discussed whether single-use packaging was a good or bad thing, nor whether plastic recycling facilities exist in your area and are willing to take used items. That question leads into whether plastic parts are being recycled. We have not discussed the problem of ever-present microplastics, which will have to wait another couple of decades. In our next episode we learn about the phenomenon of high-temperature superconducting materials which first appeared in the 1980s. Until then, brave the elements! Thank you for listening to the History of Chemistry podcast.